Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome to episode 21 of the No Look Past podcast presented to you by WRSPN.com. We want to thank you for tuning in. You could be listening to anything in the world, but you're here with us, and we appreciate that. I am your host, Frank Santos, a.k.a. my mom's favorite son, who is disappointed he did not get to see the crying Jordan meme on Leonardo DiCaprio's face during the Oscars. I'm a co-host with me, Andy Flynn. Flynn, what was good? Hey, shout-out to Michael Beasley on uh, winning the CBA's MVP, almost 32 points a game and over 13 rebounds. Big ups to Beas. Trying to make anybody a superstar. So we're going to get into our show today. Uh, Obviously, we're going with, while you were watching TNT this week, we watched the Milwaukee Bucks. But we are going to start our show, as we always do, with the outlet pass, which is the first pass in a fast break, so it's the first pass in our show. And we want to talk about, obviously, the game Saturday night, OKC, Golden State. Uh, if you weren't watching Saturday night, the Warriors showed us a new quality. They are apparently zombies coming back from the dead against the Thunder in Oklahoma City. With an exclamation point in the form of the Steph Curry game-winning YOLO 32-footer, the shot that broke Twitter. What were you doing during the shot, Andy, and did you wake your children? <laughs> you know, it was it was pretty, uh, pretty crazy. I actually got to watch it live. Um, I'm glad I, I got to watch a lot. You know what the thing is, is is looking at it from the outside in, I felt like he was going to take that shot. Like, I, I felt like the Thunder were the only people that didn't know Curry was just going to pull up some wild shot. I mean, he's been doing it, guys. These teams need to, to get on board, but amazing. I mean, and, and more amazing still is the fact that Steph Curry's attempting 11 threes a game this season. Yeah, I mean, there's so much that goes into it. It wasn't only the shot, it was – the whole sequence, it was OKC or Golden State not fouling, which I don't understand why more teams do not do that. You know, teams are so quick to foul, but they trapped around the corner. Then, you know, Clay tips the ball to Draymond. Draymond dives and, and gets the ball to Clay. And the best part of the whole play for me was that they did not call a timeout because I hate when teams call timeouts in that situation, especially when you have a broken play. And so, but honestly, the shot really depressed me for two main reasons. I was like the only person that was. That was depressed. If you're a fan of any of the, of any other basketball team, it makes you realize that the Warriors are just unstoppable. Like the other 29 teams, just like looked at each other and just pulled like a, their inner Jason Bourne. And we're this like, is a code 10 abort. I want everyone back in the vehicles. There's a code 10 abort. They're just aborting mission. It's over. Like just just pack your stuff, go home. Hope that like Steph rolls an ankle, which obviously he did. And even though and he's not playing tonight, but you know you just gotta hope for the best. I mean, I don't I don't even know. I don't even know what to say. And the second thing that, that really depressed me was that I realized that I'm not going to be as good at anything in my life as Steph Curry is at basketball. It just really made me upset. Do you remember that time last season? I'm going to go NFL a little bit here when uh, Antonio Brown tried to jump over a player and it resulted in, like, the most epic meme ever. Yeah. Because wait until tomorrow morning. I, I just I just kind of saw the corner of my eye. He was Ian Clark for the Golden State Warriors. Just destroyed Dennis Schroeder with like a double yep. knee to the face, and it it was kind of epic. And it's almost related because we are talking Curry and we're talking the Warriors. One thing I did have to add about the, and it's not even on the Warriors or the Steph Curry end. It's on the Thunder's end. I've seen this like too often lately. It feels like maybe it's just the games I'm catching, but they did this against the Pacers too, where they kind of didn't have a commanding lead, but it was, you know, like a few points, four or five points, and they looked to be, you know, they're a strong enough team that they should be able to close out even good teams with a, with a handful uh, of points while they're a handful of points ahead. 
But the Thunder, I don't know. Sometimes like I feel like they have trouble closing the door. Yeah, I, I definitely do think that the Thunder do have trouble closing the door, and it's prim- primarily because they still have not figured out the crunch time thing between Durant and Westbrook. I mean, before Durant hit the three that put him up four, they, they really had not run any good offense, had not really made a shot. So, And that's been historically a problem in the Durant-Westbrook era, and I don't understand how two guys that seem to really play well together now, even though like we discussed it when we talked about, when we watched OKC for a week, that they really have kind of found that middle ground between the two of them. But it still seems like in crunch time, they really cannot run a proper set and get a good shot. And and I think that that's what's showing. And I think that contributes to what you're talking about, the fact that they're not going to be able to finish. And, like, do you think that's going to affect them in the playoffs? I think obviously, right? Yeah, I mean, and I, I also feel like that that can't be your excuse either. You can't just say, well, we haven't figured out the Westbrook or Durant thing. I know that's not necessarily them saying that, it's you saying that, but I do think you're right. And I, I just like that's you, you can't have that excuse. I mean, you, you have to, you know, they have to manufacture a way to come up and win. You can't have two of the most dominant offensive players in the league and you can't hold on to a win. I mean, they're, they're too good for that. And they, they just, they've got to get it figured out. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I think the thing is is that it's only going to affect them against your Golden State and your San Antonio Spurs. But before we move on, I just want to say that at some point, like you're talking about with, with the Thunder, it, it's just because the Warriors are just, like I said, they're zombies. And at some point, they, they're just like the Joker. Starting tonight, people will die. I'm a man of my word. <laughs> That's what they do. At some point, they just like look you in the face, and it's just like it's over. Our time has come, and you know, even though it seemed inconceivable that they, they were going to win that game, they just looked you dead in the eye, and it was just time for OKC to die. And then Steph Curry just pulls up from 32 feet. It's crazy, just crazy stuff, Andy. I don't even know. I don't. Even, I don't have, you have any more thoughts? Because I really, I don't know. I don't know what to do with it. It's it's unreal, man. Like I, you, you've just never seen it, and it's it's taking everybody by storm. And it's really not even necessarily Curry. It's the entire way this team plays because you can kind of see him doing it against the Hawks right now. I mean, it's still a close game, but the way they play is just different. Defensively, offensively, they they almost play a type of basketball on, on either end of the floor that if you hadn't seen it for, you know, a solid season and a half now, you would almost think they're nuts for even trying to play basketball this way. But yeah. the the movement is there. They they move the not only do they move the ball, but the guys are all moving well. And this is on both ends of the floor again. I mean I think that they're defensive I mean you, you, Bogut had a good steal tonight. It's just like they're always alert and I think Kerr does a excellent job of keeping these guys on their toes, but they're, they're definitely bringing a new brand of basketball that people just don't understand to the point where like you have old vets hating it. You have, I see fans, I'm not even going to call anybody specific out, but I saw one specific thing uh, the day after that thunder and uh, the, the win against the thunder, like <laughs> somebody essentially just saying how it's not fair. The, you know, nobody else has a chance. It's the Warriors, and that's it. And it's so unfair, and the NBA sucks, and we need more parity. And, I mean, like, they've gotten they've got people frustrated, the Warriors, and it's it, I love it. Yeah, they're right. It, it, it is unfair. But we're going to – I'm going to stop you there because we, we are going to get into the old people hating on the Steph Curry and the Warriors in a little bit in our show. But right now I want to move on to while you were watching TNT, we were watching the Milwaukee Bucks. Very exciting team, I thought. 
but we'll get into that, obviously. Uh, two and two work week while we were watching them. They had a win versus the Lakers, loss at Boston, loss versus Detroit at home, and then a, a very impressive, exciting game uh, last night against the Houston Rockets, which was a win, I believe, a, 128 points they scored in regulation. And you said, how many Milwaukee Bucks games did you watch? And give me some quick impressions. Well, I watched uh, both the wins, as it worked out. I watched the Laker game, which I don't even know why I watched that game, but I did. Uh, my boy Giannis had the triple-double. And then I, I caught the last night's game this morning, and that was the Jabari Parker show. I, You know, I think that they, they look exactly like what their record says. You, you know, they played a bad team and they played a borderline good team in the Rockets, and they won both of those. And then they played a couple of decent teams in the East with Boston and Detroit and, and came up short. Um, you know, I I feel about the same way as I felt about the Bucks coming into this. Uh, the second time we watched them, I know obviously you picked them to kind of make a little noise, to, you know, maybe with the tail end of the playoffs coming in. Wait, 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 wrong. we got to clear this up because we had this debate last week, and I checked the file. We have not watched the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't know what you're talking uh, about, why you think we watched I the Milwaukee Bucks. I thought we did Bucks watch twice. the Bucks. And, and we have not watched the Detroit Pistons either twice. I, wanted to, I, w- I really wanted to clear that up at the beginning of the show, but I, I'm glad you reminded me of it. We have watched every Well, what happened is, you per, see, you see what happened was, is in another life, I played in the NFL, and uh, the concussion regulations weren't what they are today, and now I'm. I just. Oh, you, you didn't understand. I often the, walk through the, the kitchen. Protocol. Yeah, I, I, I still haven't passed, and it's you know it's been a long time. <laughs> Anyhow, you know I, I do. I think I think that your statement can still play from last week with you know thinking the Bucks might catch up and maybe fight for that last spot or something like. I don't think that you were putting them in the playoffs necessarily. You were saying that you right. think they'll they'll make a push. And, and I think that could still be true. I do like uh, what Jabari Parker's done. We talked a little bit about – we actually, we talked about the Giannis versus Jabari thing, if it were one or the other. And I was like, get rid of Jabari Parker. And now he's dumping, including 36 in that win over Houston. But his – I mean, his this month looks good. And the good news for the Milwaukee Bucks is Ante Acumpo is playing great basketball at the same time. And I'm almost starting to believe after watching these guys that maybe they can coexist. Maybe it's other parts of the team that need to change. Uh, you know, maybe I don't – the Greg Monroe thing obviously doesn't work. I don't know if Greg Monroe works anywhere at this point. I, I'm really, like, low on that guy these days. Yeah, I feel bad for Greg Monroe because I feel like he's a good player, but I'm not sure in the current NBA climate where exactly he fits because if you're going to do the things that Greg Monroe does on the court, you sort of have to be good defensively in order to account for the fact that we're going to throw you the ball in the post and you're not going to do much of anything else. And he's obviously not good defensively, so I think that works against him. But I do want to talk about the point you brought up about Jabari Parker and Giannis playing together because I think – I don't know how good they are together, but and it seems like you agree from what you said, but it seems like they like playing with each other on the court, and I think that's the first step. And I think as one or both of them develops – a mid-range game. I mean, Giannis was hitting 20-footers the other night, so if he can continue doing that on a regular basis, I think it'll definitely make them play better together going forward. Yeah, and I I also think they obviously have something. I mean, we still people still kind of lobby back and forth about whether or not uh, Giannis is is a guard or a small forward. I think you and I have both said for a while now he's got to be a small forward. 
uh, the guards, especially the point guard chat. I'm glad that that's kind of died out. But I do. I think there is. The, I think they do have the ability to be able to play side by side. And you're absolutely right. Liking playing with each other is probably the most important thing ever. Uh, Kobe and Shaq. But I think uh, you know. Most importantly, I feel like if you're the Bucks, you're looking at the mismatches and the headaches you can give teams down the road. With you know, you're talking two really good sized players who can both create. Ante Kubo is coming along, I feel like. And I, I felt like, you know, we all knew Parker was going to be able to create out, out of college. They're also both good rebounders. Ante Kubo has become a good passer. I think these guys have a little bit of everything. Uh, I do think it'll matter what kind of a point guard they have because I'm kind of on your uh, ship now with, with the old MCW. Uh, I'm going to put him right in the locker with the other W. That's George W. We don't like the Ws. <laughs> I'm so glad that you were the person that hated on MCW instead of me because I was totally going to get to me hating on him, but I'm actually just going <laughs> to let it alone because I do that enough, and I'm I'm glad that you did it. I am just going to say that they really, this team desperately needs a point guard. Aside from, like, MCW in general, like, I think this team has a bunch of playmakers and nobody that can actually get them the ball. You know what I mean? So it's sort of like Giannis has to turn into that guy which which he's good at, don't get me wrong. It's not like he's trying to play a role that's completely away from his game. But I think that the more he, – he maybe does it too much. Like he has to be a two-and-one kind of guy, and he doesn't get to do that thing that maybe like a Russell Westbrook gets to do where, all right, sometimes he's the playmaker, and then other times we can play him off the ball. And I think Giannis would really do well in that role, but he has to kind of be the primary ball handler for this team because they don't have a point guard. And for a league that's oversaturated in point guards, it seems like nobody really has one, which is a strange thing to me. And, like, nobody has one, but everybody has three guys that they might consider playing. I mean, <laughs> like, all these teams want to convert everyone. Uh, Victor Oladipo is another one, like the Magic, where, like, dead set, they wanted to play him at the point guard. And he does have the ability to, you know, handle the ball and spurts, but you don't want – I mean – I think everybody's trying to duplicate, like, the success of Russell Westbrook, and you had said his name, and he's the perfect example. We're talking a guy who wasn't a point guard, and now he's, you know, probably the second-best point guard in the league. I said it, Santos. Did you just yeah, hear me get yeah, across the Curry over Westbrook? I mean, I, I, I'm, right now I'm bowing and stuff. I'm, I have the Curry statue over here. I, I, I fed it rum, gave him a cigar. You don't touch Tobu's rum. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, I, I feel like, you know, the Westbrook thing has kind of sparked, you know, all of these, these general managers and these coaches, they want to have these playmakers at the point guard and it, it's caused a lot of teams to, you know, go out and sample with different things. But I definitely like, you know, Ante Pugo at the three and Parker at the four. Now they got to fill guys around him and Monroe definitely doesn't work. MCW is definitely taking that flight to Turkey, man. I'm admitting some things tonight. <laughs> I'm glad that you're on, on board of the whole turkey thing, too. So for those of you that don't know, that don't listen to the show regularly, you got to realize how big of a thing it is for Andy to admit that Steph Curry is the best point guard and that Russell Westbrook is second because Andy actually represents Russell Westbrook in all matters. So he's actually affecting his own pockets in, in the negotiating table. You know, when he goes to the negotiating table to try to negotiate his next contract by admitting this on air. So it's a huge move. But back to the Bucks. Um, I don't know what I enjoyed more watching the Bucks or listening to Gus Johnson watch the Bucks because Gus Johnson is the goat. That's one thing I wanted yeah. to get to. But the second thing I wanted to say, which is a popular topic of discussion between you and I, is the white guys. So 
I got two important guys here. We got Miles Plumley and Steve Novak. My man Plumley is trying to break white basketball player barriers by just being the tough guy somehow, while my man Steve Novak is just reinforcing white stereotypes by just doing nothing but chucking threes and not playing any defense. He's so slow. That guy looks like he's running in quicksand. I mean, I said, like, I mean, you know, everybody noticed. You could notice it back in the Knicks days and stuff too. But I just, yeah, yeah, Novak is is terrible. He's lousy. I don't, you know, Plumlee uh, doesn't kill me as much. But I, just this this team, actually, this should have been the section for the. You need more people. This should have been my pick. The the Bucks need more people. Tell Jason Kidd to make the call. Get it done, man. Yes. Speaking of Jason Kidd, that's my last point I want to make, and then I'm going to get to the elephant in the room question. Jason Kidd has an assistant coach that can literally stun double for him, uh, Josh Oppenheimer. I saw him doing, like, the interview at halftime. I think when he gets ejected for throwing banana peels like a game of Mario Kart, like, he's already resorted to spilling drinks on the court, so why not banana peels, too? He's just going to make Josh leave the court and act like we won't notice that it wasn't him, it was it. So, like, he's just still going to be on the court. And he's going to make, like, his stunt double just, like, play his lackey and just get ejected instead. I see you, Jason Kidd. I, I know how you roll. But my elephant in the he room. He does. He really does is, look like him. Now that I'm looking yeah, at yeah, it, when crazy. he is the goatee, it's bad. Yeah, it's crazy. That's uh, the elephant in the room question is, is it possible that this team is too athletic? So do, while I was watching them, it's sort of like, like I said, they have all these playmakers. And it seems like they really need somebody that maybe is, isn't a playmaker but can sort of, like, help all of these playmakers to their fullest potential. So I think, do they need to get less athletic? Is that an actual possibility? So is it really the fact that they're too athletic or they're not technically skilled enough? I think obviously, obviously with the, in the athletic uh, athleticism department, you do need to kind of find that mesh. It's kind of like when you have young guys and you, you have a team that's too young, you want to incorporate some vets in there, you know, to kind of smooth things out and uh, even the keel. And I think you do. I mean, you, you obviously need guys who can do the little things. I think that's often very undervalued when you just watch the game of basketball. And other players will tell you, star players will tell you, you know, this guy does this, this guy does that. The things like boxing out, uh, you know, setting the screens, making the extra pass, playing unselfish basketball, uh, defensive-minded, and you do need that. And if you just have all these athletes out there, maybe you don't have the guys to knock down the jump shot. Maybe you don't have the guys like a Ray Allen or a Rip Hamilton who run and move well without the basketball and set up other things. So, yeah, I, I think, yes, I, I do agree with that. They they do need to kind of smooth out some things and, and you know, have a, a different dynamic other than give this guy the ball, let him create something and, and score. And, you know, they yeah. do that. They rinse and repeat. So I have another two quick, just quick hit questions for you about the Bucks, and then we're going to move on. So there was, there was rumors that the, the Bucks were possibly going to trade for Dwight Howard, but they wanted him to sign an extension. First question is, would you, would you have taken a chance on Dwight Howard and just well, whether he would have signed long-term or not, like taking a flyer on him? And second, we talked about them needing a point guard. Could you think of, like, just spitball anybody that you think of could be, like, a good fit for this team point guard-wise? I mean, a guy that's coming to mind right away for the point guard question is, is like, a Ty Lawson. I, I think, oh. you know, you, you take a, you, you know, you take out a little flyer on him, maybe he can – you know, make things work. Another guy who we talked about, uh, or who we didn't necessarily talk about on the show, but there was a lot of chatter about uh, by the trade deadline was a guy like a Ricky Rubio, somebody who can kind of set the table a little bit for your young fellas working a system. Still like can't shoot jump shot. 
but as far as the Dwight Howard thing, um, no, I don't. I don't think I would have taken a flyer on him without the commitment because just nobody knows where Dwight's head at now. Uh, he fired Dan Fegan, which he should have done years ago. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I still I think Dwight for this team could have brought some value. Obviously, being that they don't really, I I they don't have that true starting center, you know, who screams anything crazy, and that also gets Monroe out of there. But it also it also depends on what were they giving up. You know, you don't want to give up Parker Ante Kumpo, obviously. But yeah, I, I don't know. As far as taking the flyer for the rest of the season, I'm not sure because Howard is like, who knows? If you're like, nah, man, I'm going to play in China now at the end of the year. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> who knows I like he's, he's he's, Howard I have he's no idea about that guy yeah he's he's run out of NBA teams like he's wearing out his welcome a lot of places and I think he would have just been better off I think in hindsight he would have been better off just staying with the Orlando Magic at this point uh, but we are going to move on we're going to look forward a little bit there's so many storylines heading into the playoffs as usual but we just want to talk about for any reason a team we are excited to see come playoff time obviously there's only 20 games left in the regular season and the playoffs are going to be exciting um even though like some of the some of the teams and some of the matchups it might seem like it's inevitable that the warriors are going to win but it's always fun to get there so whether it's we want to see whether a team's going to implode whether they can repeat or whether their coach actually knows the rules yes i'm looking at you billy donovan Andy, who is the team that you were looking forward to come playoff time to just watch in a seven-game series? You know, I I had picked one just in case for the East and the West, but the first one I picked was the East, and that's the Raptors. You always do I, this. You always, pick, you always pick both conferences. You're way too sorry. <laughs> I, I, I went with the Raptors. Um, I, I've i been watching some Raptors basketball. They're 7-3 seven and, and over their last 10 you know, they just play well together, and I think Lowry and DeMar DeRozan really have a, a case to make probably as the second-best backcourt in the NBA. At this point, I'm just blocking off the first. You can't do it. It's like the co-ed volleyball league I play in. You can't win first, but you can play for second. So, you know, I, I'm really excited to watch Toronto, and, and, you know, I wasn't so high on them last year. If you do remember, I kind of was like had no faith in Toronto, even with the home court over uh, the Wizards. And I kind of got laughed. I think it was on the the War Room show. You guys kind of like, no, even because I think I picked uh, I picked Washington. Oh yeah, that's what it was. I picked Washington in seven, even though they would have been on the road because I had no faith in in Toronto at home. That right. faith I have now. I think Toronto's earned it. They proved themselves, uh, and I, I think this team's for real. Yeah, I, I like Toronto. That, that's a good pick for me. I'll, I'll go. I'll go west, east and west with you really quick. Um, my east team, the team I picked was a west team, but the east team I'm looking forward to is a team that we talked about last week, the Detroit Pistons. I've been high on them all season, preseason. I picked them to win the eighth seed. They might exceed that. I mean, right now there's like a four-way tie for the sixth seed, so who knows how that's going to play out. But I think in the end that they get in because I think that they're just better than a team like Charlotte. And I think they're better than a team even like Indiana. Uh, maybe that's an unpopular opinion, but I do think that they're a better team. And I'm curious what – I always like young teams that kind of make the playoffs for the first time. So, like, you get the Reggie Jackson-Andre Drummond combo in the playoffs for the first time. I'm curious to see what happens when a team like the Pistons that's so dependent on their core lineup is able to play them more. So, like, in the playoffs, you you know, your bench guys sort of get minimized in their minutes, and they have such a good core that when they play those guys for a long period of time, I'm, I'm curious how that's going to work, and I think they could potentially have a first-round upset. Who is your West team? Go for it. 
My West team is my my home away from home, the OKC Thunder. Oh, no. I just talked about them at the beginning of the show, learning to close out. I, I think they absolutely positively have to do it, 5-5 five and five in their last 10 games. I think come playoff time it'll be a little different. You're talking about more star power in the playoffs. We obviously know that the Thunder come packing with the star power. Uh, it looks like they could be playing like the Mavericks, who maybe the Trailblazers, somebody of that, like maybe even the Rockets. Um, you know, I expect them to win in the first round, but I, I think it'll be fun. They're always fun to watch, so it'll be an exciting first round, second round, hopefully. Yeah, so the Thunder were also my team, but I actually had a backup team because I felt like you were going to pick the Thunder, and, that, and then you know I had the audible a little bit. Yeah, and I, I just know how you roll. So I picked the Portland Trailblazers because they're, I always like to see the unexpected team. So this was, and there's always a team that really nobody expects in the preseason to make the playoffs, and then they make the playoffs, and it's always like, oh, we're the, are they for real still? So because we had low expectations for them and they've exceeded set expectations, there's always this, we don't know if they're still for real, and they kind of get unfairly discredited, in my opinion. But the Portland Trailblazers, obviously they have the star power in Damian Lillard, who is just out of his mind. And I really want to see the the Portland-Golden State first round because I think it'll be like the most exciting sweep that we'll ever see. So, I mean, I really think that the the Lillard McCollum versus Clay and Steph is just something that you really want to see in a playoff format. And I think Portland plays a, a, a good style to kind of give Golden State maybe a challenge. Like they're going to win. Golden State's going to win the series, but it'll it'll be a fun game, a fun series. And I I don't think people give enough credit to to series that maybe go go four or five, but are like an exciting four or five games in a competitive four or five game series. And I think Portland, no matter who they get, if they make the playoffs, they're going to make it exciting and they're going to be competitive. And I think that that's really all you want in a playoff team. Yeah, I mean, I I think that Portland is something interesting. And I know we talked about this a little, I think it was last week, maybe the week before I brought this up, where I think you know, we everybody criticized Portland for the huge overturn, especially when you lose all your starters. We were all like, what's wrong with Damian Lillard? What has he done to these guys? But I think, in a sense, we can almost kind of say now that Portland, I think they're they're on to something here. The, the Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum thing, and just some of the guys, some of the pieces they have, like Myers Leonard and, and Mason Plumlee and uh, who else I have, Ed Davis, guys like that. They've, I feel like they've gotten lighter. Like, they don't have yeah. the Marcus Aldridge where he's clogging up the paint. And I think what they've done is set up this team to just allow these two guards to just go to town. And they're not there yet. I think this is a work in progress. But I, I do think that they kind of, like, abandoned ship and were like, hey, we've we've got to try to be able to play with Golden State, and that's what they're going to build here. Is it going to be as successful? I mean, somebody's eventually going to get there. But I, I just – right now it seems like such an insurmountable thing. But I, I do think that – Portland's exciting, and I do hope they get into the playoffs. I'd love to see that first-round matchup against the Warriors. I mean, it'd be yeah, a great sweep. Yeah, exactly. The other thing really quick is there, unlike a lot of people, I, I love to admit when I'm wrong just because it, it happens, and, and that's just life. But Portland's a team that I was really wrong about, and I would like to see them prove me wrong further and, and sort of further their, their cause. And the other thing is that next, you know, they still have a lot of cap room, so they have room to really add to that roster. They're not stuck into what they have. But we're going to move on to the end of our show, which is our last segment. As always, Jay-Z once told us, you know, we don't believe you, you need more people, and that happens every week in the NBA. Andy Flint, who needed more people this week? You know, man, I think I'm going to steal yours. 
Um, I don't. I just have this this hunch. But my my shout out to you need more people is the big O Oscar Robertson. Yep. I. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sorry, man. I <laughs> if I could have thought of something else, I I would have. I just feel like he. I know how this man takes his popcorn, and it's extra salty. I, I don't <laughs> I don't know why these guys keep doing this. Just let Curry live. I mean, it. You know, I at first I was thinking last season maybe it's a little too fast. It's a little too fast, but I mean it's just there. And I think he's scaring some of these older players at the pace he's changing the game. And and it's understandable, but they gotta let him live. Let Steph live. Yeah, absolutely. Yo, Oscar Robertson. After calling out Steph Curry, he went out and embarrassed you in prime time. You're a legend, but you're disre- you're disrespecting the god, and it's evil to live backwards. Or it's a loaded lux. Yo, Oscar Robertson. Both Andy and I believe that. Well, we don't believe you. You need more people. And with that, that is our show. I would like to announce that next week we are staying in the Eastern Conference, and we are going to watch. Um, Chicago Bulls basketball. Andy, just give us a quick tidbit. How many? You know, have you watched the Chicago throughout the season? And just give us a quick impression of what you think of them. I bet you that the Bulls are one of my least watched teams this season. Um, let, let's see. I expect them to keep falling. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm I'm excited to watch them because they are one of those teams that may compete with Cleveland long term. But but we'll see. We'll we'll talk about it next week. And with that, that is our show. Join us next week as we continue our journey around the NBA. We will close, as we always do, with a great philosopher, Jason White Chocolate Williams, who once probably thought basketball is a lot like last call to, last call to bar. Sometimes it's better to pass without looking. And with that, we bid you good night.